Inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Sir Benjamin Solak. Ben, we are now beyond the top 10, uncharted waters, now towards the middle of the draft in our guest mock draft series. We've got the New York Jets today. Any shakeup in the top 10 that really shocked you before we get to uh, before we get to this 11th pick? I think the Kinlaw pick was good. I think... It's now Worm and Meyer. Like, we have Mock, uh, Mock Madness, the bracket that started today on the draft network. Uh, and I had to get Kinlaw to the Panthers because it just it felt like it was right. And now it's in my head, and now I know that they like him, and now I want it to happen. Before, so, before we get to our guests, how nervous are you going Mock for Mock with Jordan? Just ridiculous. I have no idea who made the bracket. <laughs> I don't know what I deserve to be up against Jordan. At least I know I won't have to make a second round after this thing. I'll screw it. I'll put whoever I want in here. Yeah, you're I don't gonna... worry about second round picks. I'm going to get waxed by Jordan in the Man, first round. Man, you can't round. say that. you got to manifest, all right? we got to manifest that you and I are going to meet in the final four. I will be adding the UNBC Twitter if I beat Jordan. Oh my gosh! This is the degree gosh. of an upset it would be. No, you should get them to retweet your mock during the competition. Be like, "Yo, I'm the biggest underdog in this tournament. Please retweet this." And be right, like, that'll right, be bet. the move. See, then yep, then right. you'll then you'll get all the votes. I'm just trying to help you out. I'm just trying to help you out. But Stras in place. We're gonna we're gonna get to what the mock draft results of our mock madness uh, competition are in a little bit. But as right now. We have a very special guest on the line with us for this episode of the Guest Mock Draft series, and that is our good friend Connor Rogers, who works over at Bleach Report. He is an avid follower of the New York Jets. I want to make sure I get that correct title right because you're in the media, and sometimes people are uh, sometimes people are a little touchy about it. But I'm allowed to say avid follower of the New York Jets, correct, Connor? I absolutely love it. I'm going to tell everyone to say avid follower <laughs> from now on because whenever people say fan, I'm like, you know. The, the emotional, or I guess the disappointment, has left a long time ago, but I right. still somehow care enough about the franchise that uh, I, I do love you know covering them for the draft or talking about them and sadly watching every single snap of New York Jets football. A staunch advocate, if you will, of, uh, of, of the New York Jets. Update the bio. I want. I got to get to this right off the bat. We got to talk about Sam Darnold when we talk about the New York Jets. I mean, I know that the number eleven overall pick is is what we are here to get to at the end of this interview, but it's all got to circle around what's going on with Darnold, right? So he's going into a very crucial third year. I'd love to hear your thoughts of what you thought of Darnold pre-draft whether you knew that Darnold was on the radar for the Jets when he was the pick, and honestly how he has panned out since with a lot of change going on around New York since he came on. Yeah, I mean, those are all great questions. And and starting with myself, because I'm selfish, um, I had Darnold (laughs) as QB4, but now that sounds really harsh, but I had him in the top like 20 players, the draft or whatever. It was just a great quarterback class, but uh, I liked Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Josh Rosen more than him, but not where we have this, like, right now as we do these mocks, the gap between, you know, Burrow and Tua to the next guys is gigantic. I didn't think there was that gap that year. So I liked a lot about Sam Darnold's game. And as for the Jets, I could tell you personally, they would have taken him if they had the number one overall pick. Oh, in that wow. Yeah, he was, the be- he was the top quarterback on their board. That wasn't media speak uh, when Mike McCagnan had mentioned that that year. I had heard that. I mean, really, I had heard that. September of that year and they were all over him to the point where they weren't even just getting scouting credentials they were buying first row tickets behind the USC bench to watch how he interacted after good and bad drives with teammates coaches by himself that's how all over there were you know on Sam Darnold so it didn't surprise me 
uh, that that was an easy pick for them at three. And and now to, let's talk about Sam Darnold because, you know, like I said, I thought he was a really good quarterback prospect. And I think the Jets have, you know, almost couldn't have handled this worse in terms of what they've given him in the first two years. And that starts with the first year, Jeremy Bates, you know, I know people kind of laugh at him as, as a coach sometimes, but I thought he did a lot of good things with Darnold's mechanics, especially the fumbling issue and just getting the ball out. He did a lot of good things with Darnold. Now, it wasn't this all-world offense, but it was kind of a rookie year you expected from Darnold where he had a handful of games where he looked like a future superstar, and he had a handful of games where he looked like a 20, just-turned 21-year-old quarterback at the time. And then they blow things up, and they hire Adam Gase. And I don't think, you know, I don't know if there are any Adam Gase fans or supporters left in this world that aren't related to him, but it's just it, it's exactly how you expected it to go last year. I mean, the offensive line was miserable. Uh, the offensive scheme and, and design was inconsistent and erratic at best, and it led to a really bad year where it, you just can't get on Darnold too much. He, he still makes some bad decisions, but nobody's going to thrive in the offenses he's played in so far, and that's why this draft is so pivotal because now they lose Robbie Anderson in free agency, so not only do they have to continue to improve this offensive line but really improve the skill talent around him and the coaching thing that I mean there's only one person that could fix that and that's Adam Gase and I'm not really overly confident in that but I've told people before and there's a lot of people in the league that feel this too they think Darnold is talented enough to actually overcome how you know Gase's inefficiencies you just need to put better players around him as well so when you talk about okay, Gase's inefficiencies require him to put have better players around. If you have a head coach, Connor, where his inefficiencies, you might see where I'm going with this. Let me bring it all the way home. <laughs> where his inefficiencies really limit the starting quarterback and, I mean, and put, a, put a big onus on, on your general manager to bring in talent. What? What 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 are we not? I don't want to say what are we doing here because obviously I think that the the Gase decision has been characterized as bad for a bit. But what about Gase continues to earn the faith of Jets decision makers and owners as the play, as the guy who can develop Darnold? And if we're looking for the silver lining, like I'll put it to you this way: at the end of year three, the Jets offense looks great and Sam Darnold looks a lot better. What was it that Adam Gase did, or was it just completely in spite of him that brought that to existence? Well, I think if that does happen, that means Gase went back to the film this year and looked at what he did when the Jets were on a three-game winning streak, when Darnold was playing very good football, and really just the things that maximize his ability. Number one, getting him on the move, rolling him out. It's crazy how rare they did this over long stretches, but getting Darnold on the move is a very, very important factor and really just honestly scheming guys open, but understanding the protection limits you have from your offensive line. I mean, they can't drop back and have Darnold sit there in a, po a pocket and stand like a statue and hope somebody gets open down the field in, in a five to second span. They didn't have the offensive line to do that. And right now they don't have the offensive line to do that still before the draft, but it's gotten better on the interior by adding Connor McGovern, at least. You know, Ryan Khalil was getting thrown into Sam Darnold's lap almost every single play. So for Gase, I look at it like this. That three-game stretch, a lot of the things they did in those three games work really well. And then the Cincinnati game, when they lost to the Bengals, who were like 0-11 or 0-12 at the time, something miserable, is the game that everybody should watch and learn that Adam Gase should not really be a head coach in, in football. Because 
They have Carlos Dunlap just whooping up on whoever's in front of him every single play, and they refuse to roll Darnold away from him. They were almost right. fe- feeding him to Dunlap. That's an easy game to watch and go, man, this kind of sums up what's gone wrong all year. So when you look at it, you said a really important word there, Sir Benjamin Solak, is that the owners are, are who believe in Adam Gase, and that's Christopher Johnson, who is is really just a temporary you know, CEO of the franchise, because Woody is in the UK for Trump right now. You could tell this is turning into a circus as I speak. Like, if you had a human that their day one on Earth was listening to this, they would think this all sounds absolutely insane. But as Woody is in the UK, you know, he's going to be back, whether Trump gets reelected or not, Woody will be back. And I'm very curious how things will change then. But Christopher Johnson was the guy that believed in Adam Gase. He believed in all the people that endorsed Adam Gase, like Peyton Manning. And he's being a little stubborn right now and just didn't want to move on after one year. He can't really swallow his pride, and he's hoping that things do turn around. But there's a reason, guys, that Joe Douglas got a six-year deal. He would not have come to the New York Jets without the six years on his deal because Mm. that guaranteed that if the day comes, he can move on from Adam Gase and find his own head coach. And Mm. I think a lot of the things you saw in free agency, every single contract except Connor McGovern's was essentially a one-year deal tells you exactly how joe douglas feels right now yeah no it's i think gm head coach chemistry is really important and if you don't have it then certainly saving your own butt if you're the gm makes makes a lot of sense you touched on offensive line a little bit there when you were were talking about kind of the offense as it was under gase and and how it's hard to blame darnold too much and or even really not seeing him develop they go out in free agency. They sign guys like George Fant and Greg Van Ruten. Um, you mentioned Connor McGregor, or Con- almost said Connor McGregor, uh, Connor McGovern. There is that enough to sway them from picking an offensive lineman with this number eleven pick. We'll get to what you want to pick in a little bit, but I just want to because if free agency, right? It's all about setting up the draft. It's all about making sure you don't have knees that are so glaring where you pigeonhole yourself to really, you have to make a pick. But at the same time, do you, did these guys get signed to this team to start? Like, did they did they really do this to say, okay, we can pick a skilled player instead of an offensive lineman? Or do you think that it might be less of an impact than what some people are saying? I mean, the simple answer is no, they didn't do enough. And they're very aware of that. I think, listen, were they interested in somebody like Jack Conklin? Yes, but not to the point where they were going to throw a ton of money at him. Because I think, honestly, they just weren't really as high on him as a player as much as the market dictated, which is another argument for another day. Uh, But you look at them signing, yes, a a ton of guys to this room. I mean, they really just added a ton of different names on the interior, and then at tackle, they add George Fant, which is the one that gets talked about the most. Now, Fant was signed. What I think is ultimately going to happen here, guys, or what the Jets want to happen, they want to let this tackle class play itself out. They're going to take whoever they think is the best one on the board Mm -hmm. at 11. That player is going to start at left tackle, and then George Fant competes with Chuma Adoga on the right side because Adoga's a player that, when he was playing right tackle last year, and this is something that Brandon Thorne who does great offensive line analysis, has been vocal about. For a rookie player, he was actually solid at right tackle. When he had to take over at left tackle when Kelvin Beecham got hurt, he got destroyed, absolutely annihilated. So the Jets staff actually thinks Adoga can develop on the right side into an adequate starter, and adding Fant gives you that competitive, you know, competition. He's handled a role as a six offensive lineman a ton in Seattle. He's very athletic, so... 
this is what they think. This is not necessarily, you know, I feel like this is the end-all, be-all great answer, but this is what gone has gone on inside their minds. And most importantly, Connor McGovern is a very reliable pass-protecting center. So that's one on the board that is a significant, true upgrade. But, no, this offensive line is not enough. They know that going into the draft. I think what has people very frustrated is the wide receiver room isn't enough either. So you look at it and you go, man, we're picking at 11. There's a good chance that we can get one of Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb or Henry Ruggs. If you feel like at least one or two of the three will be available there. Sure. And we don't have a number one or nine, number two wide receiver on this team. But while that all sounds great, and, and I'm the biggest C.D. Lamb fan, I, I think, in the world. I think, Trevor, you, you might have me a little bit beat, but I'd say we're right up there at the top. Uh, I think when you look at it, the Jets are going into this draft thinking offensive tackle all the way. Now, and so if I'm hearing you right, hopefully we get a left tackle at 11. We have Chuma Doga and Georgia Fan fight for the right tackle job. If Adoga wins that, they're paying Fan $10 million a year to not start, right? Which is, this is my exact problem with the entire, <laughs> the entire strategy that I don't understand. And I think another issue is there's a lot of people in the media or a lot of people, just people that are very vocal Joe Douglas supporters. And I'm not saying I'm not. I, I'm very neutral. I, I don't know the guy. I don't think he's done anything great here in, in less than a year. And I don't think he's been, you know, he's, his hands are also tied. There's only so much you could do. Yeah. I am in the camp as somebody that got to watch George Fant's four starts last year to tell you he should never start for you at either tackle position. But I'll say this. Yes, the $10 million number is very, very ugly. At least the, that it's guaranteed all into one year that after this, you're not like, oh, my God, we're paying this, this sixth offensive lineman $10 million a year long term. So I'm guessing that was the Joe Douglas sure. thought process. Yeah, and, and and that makes sense. And as an as an Eagles fan, because obviously Douglas came from Philadelphia, I'm there with you. Douglas got a lot of fans. He was he came to be the football guy next to Roseman. He was here for three years. And you look at their draft picks. Football guy didn't do too much. You know, well, they were <laughs> great drafts. I always say that to people. They weren't like wor all world drafts. Yeah, right. Like they had good players. They had some bad players. <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. and, and that's that's the reality. Which you know, Douglas now has a shot that I think he's earned over his time in in in. in uh, the league, and obviously it's a multi-year process, so we're we're far putting the cart ahead of the horse here a little bit. But the one position you didn't bring up that I want to understand, just from your perspective, what we're looking at here is edge, because I like I I like to give Jets uh, edges, especially throughout the season when when they we didn't know exactly you know AJ Epinesa and Caleb on chasing where they were going to end up. Now at eleven, it's probably too rich for chasing anyway. But I always would get into fights with Jets fans. I will tell you guys, y'all ain't had an edge rusher since like John Abraham. You That's know, we exactly haven't right. had. Yeah, like oh, I, I don't know if you guys remember what it looks like when there has pass rush, but it's pretty awesome and it's helpful. The, right now, you know, we're looking at potentially starting Jordan Jenkins again. It's 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 Terrell Basham still. It's there were no significant additions made in free agency. I understand that we we like what we have at the defensive tackle position. We're developing with Quinn and is what what are what, when when there was Todd Bowles, it made a little bit of sense because we were blitzing all the time with Greg Williams. It's a down four man front. Where are we going to yep. be getting edge pressure on this team, if at all? And, and and do you see it being an early priority even among offensive tackle and wide receiver because they're just so bereft at that position right now? So it's a phenomenal question, and it's a very important point to bring up because I feel like I've been putting edge to this team in mock drafts since I started writing in college. Yeah, right? I think it was like 2011 <laughs> or 2012 is when I first started doing this, and it's been almost a decade. And they, uh, During the McCagnan era, guys, they did not take one in the first two rounds. At right. All. That's never. Just they wild. never did it. Jordan Jenkins was a third round pick. He was the best one they ever took in the McCagnan era. 
And it's nice that he's a good run defender and he could, you know, power his way into seven, eight sacks a year. But that's your number two guy in a real world, not your number one guy. Now you, you hear the rumors they put feelers out there on Jadavion Clowney for, for a year. So I, you know, I think Douglas is aware of how much of a problem it is. Now, uh, McCagnan really blew it at this position. So, and you can't build Rome in a day. And I mean, the Jets are far away from being Rome. I'll tell you that much. So, I think when you look at it, Ben, it's a good point because I, I can actually relate to this because on stick to football, Miller had put Caleb on chase onto the jets for a while. I think it was like October to December. That was yeah. relatively consistently his pick. And there was even a very early time where he put AJ Epinesa to them probably back in September. And I think the problem is that while it is a huge need, they have a 22 year old quarterback that, it is getting dangerously close to ruining his career. And people are going to listen to this and be like, that's an overreaction. But the kid is 22, and he's really had no help. He's absolutely getting killed. He is getting banged up both years because of it. So when you look at it, it's almost like they're sitting there and going, well, we think Greg is good enough to have a middle-of-the-pack defense without the pass rusher. We don't think Sam's development is going well enough that we can pass on getting him help, whether that's through the air at wide receiver or at offensive tackle. So you look at the second and third rounds. You guys know this well, or I, I would imagine you agree. And if you don't, it's totally OK. I don't think this is a deep edge class. Um, nope. A lot, no, lot of situational guys. Like, are you going to put Bradley and I on the field for all three downs? No. Josh Uche? No. He didn't even do that at Michigan at the college level. And then, you know, I, I like some of these players for what they are in the fourth and fifth round, like, you know, Kenny Willekes and, you know, Terrell Lewis can't really stay healthy. But once again, and then even like the after Chase Young, like Caleb on Chase on is loaded up with traits, but he is so raw. Mm-hmm. He Gross Matos is even more raw. He's a guy I wouldn't even take till the 20s or beyond. I, I think Epinesa is a defensive lineman at this point and one that it was just OK at best. So it's just not a good edge class. So. I, in ideal world, I think if a nye is there, they have two third rounders at the top of the round. I would take a nye at the top of the third round for the Jets because he can be your situational pass rusher right away where you're like, okay, hopefully we get something here. Assuming they're not going to make some, you know, random signing of Jadavion Clowney. Uh, you know, Joe Douglas, there was rumors about Vinny Curry, which you know more than enough about him, Ben. Right. So they've been aware that it's a problem. But at 11, I'm not saying what they're – would I be shocked if they took Chase on at 11? I hate to say it. With Joe Douglas's draft history, I wouldn't be shocked. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, speaking on that, before we get to your pick at 11, I had to mention you said that McCagden hasn't drafted an, an edge pass rusher in the uh, first two rounds ever. Um, yeah, the Bucks have drafted as many kickers as edge pass rushers <laughs> since 2014. How about that stat? Um, oh, my God. At yeah, least they walked into Shaquille Barrett's breakout season. Truly <laughs> lucked out, man. Truly lucked out. And I still have no idea really how they got Jason Pierre-Paul. Like, he, the guy was still good, and they still managed to, to grab him from New York. But um, I want to yeah. hop on this bad GM drafting train so bad, but the problem is he's so good in free agency oh my that it just God. doesn't count. Okay, shut up. This is a draft <laughs> podcast, okay? We're here to be sad. All right, so number 11. We've pretty much done the scope of the Jets roster. We've talked about quarterback. We've talked about a lot of needs, so we're putting you on the clock here, Connor. With this board the way that it is in this guest mock draft series, there are some offensive linemen left. There's some wide receivers left. Yes, there are pass rushers left. Who would you be going if the board fell this way? 
Yeah, so you had Wills and Wirfs off the board. I'm yep. going to take Andrew Thomas here. And it's not the sexiest pick, but it's one that I think has to happen if he's there. And I'll, I'll answer the two questions that would assumingly be the follow-up from everybody listening to this. Number one being, why did you take Andrew Thomas over Mekhi Becton? Andrew Tom, look, there's not going to be rookie minicamp. There's not going to be OTAs. Becton is a spectrum player, meaning that his floor is, is extremely low. His ceiling is extremely high. The New York Jets are not in a position to take a swing for the fences. They need reliable. They need pro-ready. Thomas is a guy that came into Georgia as a true freshman and was a freshman All-American at right tackle. Then he played two years at left tackle, permanent team captain, good run blocker, very high IQ left tackle. It's just one of those things where he could come in and play right away. He can come in and be very, very reliable, I think, for a long time. Is he as good as Wills or, or Wirfs or as athletic as them? No, not even close. But he's still a very good tackle prospect in my eyes. And the second question I would assume is how, how do you argue taking you know, a, a player that is graded lower than somebody like CeeDee Lamb for you? And I think for me, once again, I, I would be jumping with joy if they took CeeDee Lamb. But if the quarterback doesn't have any time to throw to him, when you're developing a 22 year old, it's, it's just, you got to You, you really got to build this line. It's frustrating. And this goes back to my argument. I wish I was sitting here talking to you guys with Trent Williams penciled in at left tackle for the jets for mm. if the Redskins sure. wanted both threes or they, they wanted the second rounder. I mean, honestly, and I can't speak to how healthy Trent is. I can't speak to the rumors of him wanting $20 million a year. So this isn't, I'm smarter than Joe Douglas. It's nothing like that. I'm just saying, a healthy Trent Williams at left tackle for the Jets would open the door for them to take CeeDee Lamb in this spot. And then then you feel pretty good about that. I mean, you have a really good left tackle. You have a really good wide receiver prospect. And I think the excuses are off the table for both Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. But right now it's, you know, with no with George Fant penciled in at left tackle, this pick has to be Andrew Thomas. Well, yeah. I have two questions. One, why uh, why Thomas over back then? And two, uh, was he gonna... <laughs> no, I, uh... <laughs> no I, I, it, it was it was a great way walking through the uh, the logic of it. My actual question is this. It is, Thomas, let's assume, like, I, I want to know if, if you think it's offensive tackle here, do you think wide receiver is, is the most likely option at the top of the second round? And if it's yes. wide receiver, do you think offensive tackle is the most likely at the top of the second round as well? Yeah, I think when you look at it, it's just the way the board breaks. I think wide receiver, you feel good about who you can get at 48, right? At yeah, exactly. I look at this tackle class, I, I, number one, I'm not very high on Austin Jackson, so and he's going in the first round, according to everyone you talk to anyway. I like Isaiah Wilson, but he's a true right tackle. He's not going to be there at 48. He, Isaiah Wilson's going to go in the top 40 picks of this draft, and so it's not even like you could sit there and go, because a lot of people say that to me. They go, oh, just take Isaiah Wilson in the second round, and, and you'll be good. And it's like, no, it, it doesn't work like that. That's not how this board is going to break. Meanwhile, if you took Thomas at 11, once again, I would love to watch CeeDee Lamb in green and white. It's just you have to take Thomas at 11 because at 48, I feel pretty good about maybe Michael Pittman is going to be sure, there. Right. They, yeah. they lost Robbie Anderson. I mean, so you need speed. K.J. Hamler, I know he has, you know, his hands are not great, but he's one of the most explosive players in this entire draft. No doubt. There's just a lot of players, even in the third round, like Van Jefferson, Lynn Bowden. Those guys can play right away in my eyes. So – I look at it for the Jets, and it's, you know, Joe Douglas, I'll say this about him, because it's if, if you're listening to this, you probably think I'm like a Joe Douglas hater, and I'm far from that. I think the guy has enough experience where he really, really is going to have a good grasp on how the strengths and weaknesses of this draft class come off the board. And it makes a lot of sense, man. Going back to the Trent Williams thing, I feel like there are a handful of teams that, 
if they were to get Trent Williams, they could have some killer first round picks. The Jets exactly. are absolutely one of them. Connor Rogers, everybody, the staunch advocate for the New York <laughs> Jets, getting us caught up on everything Jets uh, the way that only he could. Connor, we really appreciate you joining us, man. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. It was a ton of fun. Go listen to Stick to Football. Follow his stuff on Bleach Report. Connor does a lot of really great stuff, so that was very kind of him to give us all the time that he did. We got the Las Vegas Raiders coming up there next. You guys keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.